Okay, so today I'm here with the founder of Ten Bagger Stocks, Stefano. Uh, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. I just want to ask you some questions today, share some knowledge. Uh, why don't we start by you saying by you saying how you got into trading, and when it became a career choice, a sole career choice for you. So uh, it was probably about seven, eight years ago. Um, I heard that they wanted to legalize marijuana in Colorado. And I don't know how I came to the idea, to be honest. I just remember being on my computer and just the thought sparked up that, hey, maybe I could invest in some penny stocks tied to weed. I'm like, you know, they don't legalize weed often. So maybe this is a good opportunity. And uh, so I opened a stock account shortly after. I found out about some penny stocks on the over-the-counter market at the time. I put about $2,000 in and uh, I lost it pretty quickly and a full $2,000. I was, I was late to the game. So they had already legalized it in Colorado and I bought after they legalized it. So that's why I lost money because I bought the news, you know, when other people already made the big money, I bought the news. I was, I was late to the game. So, uh, Anyway, I lost the $2,000. I, I closed my account for a bit. And then I don't know if it was six, seven months later or something. I heard Trudeau wanted to legalize weed and he was running for prime minister. And I thought, you know what? Maybe this is my chance. So that I opened point, my account back up. At yeah. that point, it was just a rumor, right? No, no, no. He came out and said, I want to legalize weed. So. But it hadn't he been said, done. We will legalize marijuana if we win, right? Mm -hmm. So I thought, this is my opportunity. I reopened my account. I figured he was going to win. Um, he was losing in the polls, but just based on the fact that he wanted to legalize marijuana, I was quite sure he was going to win. So um, I started investing before the election and pretty much soon as he won, um, you know, all the pot stocks started a multi-year long uptrend. So yeah. I was investing a lot of money in there and I wasn't trading too much. It was more of a, you know, buy the mystery, sell the history, because I learned the first yeah. time that um, buy the mystery, sell the history, because the first time I lost $2,000 by buying the history, um, you know, uh, I missed the boat the first time. So I thought the second time I'm going to do the strategy. I'm going to buy it. And as soon as it's legalized, I'm going to sell. And that's kind of what I stuck with for, for a good chunk of uh, the time. I got in and out the stocks uh, quite a few times just because they were so volatile. And to just sit on them uh, for years was, was a little hard. Um, but so I, I, I rode most of the wave on the, on the weed stocks until it was legalized. And that kind of paid off quite well for me. And at that point, um, I had made quite a bit of money in my uh, investment account that I didn't need to work. I could afford to kind of stay home and view the charts and whatnot. And yep. so I was doing some of that. I was learning about, uh, about trading, uh, learning about the charts. And um, I was running other businesses at the same time. I had a photo booth business. Um, mm -hmm which, you know, I bring a photo booth machine to weddings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It takes pictures and prints them right away. 
So I was doing that. I was working at the school board part-time with like kids that have special needs and stuff. And that's how I built up some money in the first place to invest because I graduated college for child and youth worker when I was like 20 years old. Nice. Um, and I quickly started working at schools. And uh, so that's where I started building up money to invest between that and my photo booth business. And then I invested it all in the weed stocks. Mm-hmm. They paid off quite well. And, you know, pretty much that's how the whole thing got going. And then yeah. it wasn't until this year where, um, you know, I started 10 bagger stocks and, you know, pretty much dropped everything else. I, I still have a job at the school board, but I, I don't ever go in. Um, I still have my photo booth business, but it's been dead because of COVID. And, you know, I pretty much this year just went all in on trading. Uh, you know, I've been in stocks for a long time but this year was just all all in um yeah yeah so it was you're sharing your knowledge and that's kind of how you built a platform which helped you out with 10 bagger is that what happened yeah 10 bagger just came about because i was always posting about stocks on my personal instagram account mm-hmm. and you know maybe some people don't want to see that you know what i mean because i'm always posting about stocks and making money i'm like you know people might not be interested in stocks so let me make a stock account dedicated specifically to stocks and if people want to follow they can and that's how 10 bagger stocks came about i opened i the instagram account just over a year ago i think it was like december 17 2020 mm-hmm. or something so just over a year ago and it grew quite quickly because i uh, was just providing so much information for free that that it took off uh quite a bit Absolutely. And so you, uh, you had this one big conviction that made you a lot of money and that's how you mostly got into it, but you seem to know so much about charts and technical analysis. So you like enough to teach about other stocks moving forward because many might, many might say that you got lucky with this one big trade, but really, no, I think you did your research and, but moving forward, how did you actually get into like the trader mindset, becoming an expert like you are? Um, you know, when you watch charts for so long, you know, and I have, a, I have a little bit of an addictive or even a little bit of an OCD personality mm-hmm. and I'm very, very passionate about stocks, you know, so I've spent countless hours in front of the screen watching how these stocks move, watch, watching how they trade, watching how they react to certain levels. Um, And when you do that for so long, you get a good gauge of how they move, Mm -hmm. um, of how people react to certain things or, you know, different strategies. And since I've done that, I've put in so many hours doing that. That's how I really learned so much that it doesn't matter what stock or even crypto. um, I could look at a chart and get a good gauge as to the direction that it that it will probably go. And it's not 100% accurate, but, but uh, it's very high. It's a very high accurate accuracy. And, you know, I only get better with each passing day at uh, reading these charts. So uh, it's, 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 it's pretty great. And, so, you know, not everybody could read these charts, you know I mean? It's a complicated thing. You, uh, people look and people know the regular strategies, bull flag, this, that, but they, you know, these are very, very basic things that people know. 
you know, yeah. but, uh, but as somebody who's been watching charts for so long, there's so much more information to take in that the regular average trader just doesn't know. And where would you start with reading charts? Would you be looking at support, resistance? Where What would an amateur do when they start out? An amateur is going to look, you know, for a pattern, a bull flag or, you know, uh, very simple patterns. An amateur is going to, an amateur, you know, sometimes they, I don't know what they see sometimes. They look at a chart, I don't know what they see. And, they, you know, sometimes people tell me, oh, does this look good? And I look at it, I'm like, how does that look good? Like, it's just been going down for so long. Like, how does that look good? Um, you know, and sometimes amateurs just, they're not even into the charts. They, they're just into, oh, this is hot, or my friend told me about it, or I seen it online. And so they buy, or they're mm -hmm. getting FDA approvals, so they buy, and they, they completely disregard the chart. Whereas I, I'm looking at the volume, I'm looking at the Bollinger Bands, I'm looking at the candlesticks, I'm looking at uh, the moving averages. And those are probably the main things that I'm looking at, but I also look at RSI, I look at MACD, but the most important thing for me is the volume. The volume. So yeah. see how many people are buying and selling. Yeah, exactly. Huh. And so you're looking for a swing trade, basically. Are you a day trader or are you holding for as long as it's beneficial? Uh, I'm mostly in, uh, in and out pretty quickly, guy. I like to get in and out pretty quickly. But if I'm very confident in something and something is on a nice trend, um i i will stick with it for you know a few days to a few weeks or a month at a time usually not much yeah. longer than that um i have some long-term holdings but i have a fairly small long-term portfolio just because um i i i don't i just don't like holding things i, I just i just never really liked holding things too long yeah like um, there's plenty of opportunities out there right so you find them in in a timely manner and you get make your money and you get out right so it's time is just as valuable as that's as how money, i right? like it yeah and the stuff that i hold is just very 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 safe high dividend um uh you know more more on the value side which has been on an uptrend mm -hmm. right now um but i just don't like to worry too much i like to focus on one thing at a time so um my main focus is you know trading Hmm. Are you looking at like the the income statements of the companies, perhaps, or yeah, is it more? I, yeah, I do take a look because overall the stocks that I trade, I I try to pick stocks that are fairly fundamentally valued. Um, you know, because if you're trading something that just has very terrible financials, you know you're even if it's a trade and you don't plan on staying in there long, you are increasing the risk. So I, I rather trade, you know, fundamentally fairly valued stocks um, opposed to, you know, trading high, high risk penny stocks. Um, yeah, I'm more on the safer side when I pick stocks to trade. So yes, I do look at the, the, the balance sheets, the income. Not like into heavy detail. The main thing for me is a chart, but I'll take a quick look at the PE ratio, the market cap, the revenue, uh, whether they're profiting or not, and how much cash uh, they have in the bank. And usually that. Absolutely. But you said the most important thing to you is volume, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of volume, AMC, you see, you see the stock 
close to bankruptcy, huge short position, and then it goes from yeah. what two dollars to seventy dollars or something like that. And yeah. since since then, it's held sort of strong given the where it was for so long, right? Uh, where do you see like companies like these? I, I have friends who are fairly smart people that think that they there's people with short positions that need to cover them soon and that there's going to be some sort of spike where they can get out. Do you, what do you think yeah, about that I, opportunity? Yeah, what do you think about that I, opportunity? I say, with, I say with almost 100% certainty that that's completely false and mm -hmm. that that's never going to happen with, with pretty much 100% certainty, I, I say that. Um, and I say that because, first of all, there's you can look at the short positions and there's it's only 18% short interest. So unless they're giving out false information on these reputable sources to find the short data, 18% short interest is high, but it's not that high to cause any sort of crazy spike, first of all. Second is that it already squeezed. I mean, from something to go from $2 to $70, that's a completely yeah. bankrupt company. That's the squeeze. People talking about thousands <laughs> or hundreds of thousands of dollars are really just caught up in, you know, uh i don't even know but yeah i say with with pretty much 100 percent certainty that it's not going to happen yeah and i also uh, know can see and i called a breakdown on the stock too i have it on my highlights i said this it's about to plummet amc at 40 dollars, and it did it's down to 23 the momentum oh. is down you know people are selling people are scared you know because it's a it's a two dollar stock if that yeah you know so I personally think it's going lower. I think I think in fairly no time it's going to be fifteen dollars or less. And then speaking of yeah, your high convictions on things, I notice you're a pretty big Bitcoin bear. You're famous yeah. as a Bitcoin bear, and yeah. uh, I just want you to state your case for those people out there that are just thinking, oh, look at this money being printed. Let's let's get an inflation yeah. inflation hedge, plus the technological possibilities in the future. And, and what it what could yeah. be used for as well. Uh, what do you think? Like, because you do you think that it's going down in price long term, or do you do you think it should be obsolete, or do you think like it's just in the short term? It's a bad I, investment. You know, I, I think long term it's it's going to zero. Um, <laughs> you know, I yeah. I say that to to me, I feel very certain about that as well. Um, and I know a lot of people might think I'm crazy, you know, just saying that, but you know, I'll put it this way to make it very simple for people. Um, and it goes back to the first thing I mentioned. The, when I lost my $2,000, I bought the weed stocks after it was legalized in Colorado. How did I make money the next time I bought the weed stocks before it was legalized and I sold it when it was legalized? Now with Bitcoin, what's the difference? Bitcoin went up up until the day that they announced high inflation as soon as they announced high inflation what happened it started dropping it's a sell the news event it's very obvious and you know it has immense downside in my opinion because it's just just done if the whole purpose of it was completely thrown out the window because if it's supposed to be an inflation hedge if it's supposed to protect you against inflation why is it dropping when they announced the highest inflation of all time. Yeah. So point. the whole purpose of it is completely defeated. Um, 
which now makes it completely useless in my opinion. And I think what's going to happen, and the reason I say zero, because some people say, well, there's always going to be a demand for it. The reason I say Bitcoin's going to zero is because it requires millions and millions of computers constantly running just to make the network work. So as the price declines and interest declines and hype declines, the price goes down and the incentive for these miners to keep these computers running goes down because they're just spending more on electricity than, than they're making on mining the Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And that's in addition to the fact that the last Bitcoin will be mined in the year 2140 or 30 or whatever it is. So there's no incentive for them to keep mining, which, so in my opinion, eventually these computers will shut down. And if the computers shut down, the network shuts down, then you can't make any transactions and therefore it's zero mm -hmm. because how can you value something if you can't even trade it? And that's why I say it's going to zero and not, not just a very low price, you know, yeah. and we're not, I highly doubt for the rest of eternity, we're going to keep these computers running to mine Bitcoin. Let's put it that way. And what do you think about cryptocurrency in general? Like the, the, the same thing, because the, the thing is, you know, and I, people tell the technology, oh, it's such amazing technology. It doesn't matter because you don't own it when you buy the crypto. You know, mm -hmm. when I buy stock, I'm taking ownership in a company. Even if it's a very tiny ownership, I'm entitled to part of that company's revenues and profits and dividends. And I own a part of that company, however small it is. I technically own a part of that company. So as that company grows, as that company generates revenue or does buybacks or pays dividends, I'm, I'm getting a stake in all of that. Whereas crypto, when you buy crypto, you don't own anything. Yeah. You don't own the technology. You don't own the miners. You don't own the companies that develop the crypto. You don't get a portion of the mining revenues. You don't get a portion of the money that the company makes. And for that reason, if you don't own anything and you're not entitled to anything, why is it worth anything? And, you know, uh, you know, and there's, there's a million other reasons I, I could probably go on and on about. Yeah. But these are very simple ways to put it. Now, if you ask me about NFTs and the metaverse, it's different. <laughs> you know, okay. NFT is some sort of art. Even if it's ridiculous art, it's some sort of art. So you do own something, however silly it is. Um, so I, I see more promise in NFTs okay. than I see in actual crypto. Yeah. Because you own something. Whereas crypto, you don't own anything. You, but NFTs, you do. Yeah. Even if it's a JPEG, I don't think they should be going anywhere near the prices that they're going at. And I think the reason they're going for those prices is because of money laundering. But doesn't NFTs there than crypto? Sorry, doesn't NFTs have to be linked with crypto in some way? Whether it's so Ethereum. right now, you, right now you have to buy it technically, I guess, NFTs with Ethereum or whatnot. But in reality, you shouldn't have to, you know what I mean? You, sh you, why do you need a crypto tied to it? You don't. Yeah. It's like, why not use a visa to pay for an NFT? What's wrong with that? It's very, it's possible. It's not like it's not doable. It's just that they're not doing it right now because crypto's all the hype. But 
are you believing in all like these values of nfts though like doesn't it have to be connected with that in some way um like or, or are you talking about it in the metaverse or something or just on your computer as a jpeg that you can say well, you own you know I, I think it's ridiculous mind you i think it's completely ridiculous because to me art is tangible it's real it's a painting it's a sculpture um whereas digital files can easily be duplicated and replicated a million times. Yeah. So while I see slightly more promise than crypto, you know, it's not something I personally would invest in anyways. Um, you know, and in terms of like, let's say digital property, right? They could just print, not print, but they could just make more property. Like it's digital, it's infinite. So why is it valued at anything? I know. You know yeah. And let's just say they build a nice house in the metaverse and, oh, we're selling this house for $2 million. What's stopping somebody from replicating that house, um, hacking it, and you downloading it as a torrent for free? Okay, true. Sure, the guy technically owns it, but who cares who owns it if I can use it? <laughs> If well, I can use it and I can have my mansion in the metaverse and I can download it as a torrent for free, mm -hmm. or I can pay another company that sells houses at $10 a piece instead of a million and they just sell the same house a million times. Mm -hmm. Why would it be worth millions of digital land? It doesn't make sense. And that also requires the game or that metaverse to say, stay hot. Okay. You know, that's okay. like Call of Duty is a hot game. You know, but if people stop playing it and something better comes out, it's not as valuable anymore. And I say that with the metaverse too. Sure, Decentraland or whatever is the metaverse now, mm -hmm. you know, but next year something better might come. And then what's your digital property worth if nobody's playing that game anymore? So I think it's ridiculous. I think it makes more sense than crypto because at least you own something rather than nothing. But yeah. I, I still think it's ridiculous. And as for the metaverse, I, I don't think it needs to be tied to crypto in any way. Like I'm, I have Facebook Oculus um, and I use my visa, you know, and I, I'm playing games. I'm in the VR world. It's fun. I'm using my visa, you know, so um, I don't see that crypto needs to be tied to it in any way. And it people are starting to like use NFTs as collateral for loans on houses and stuff like that. So the and you see celebrities pushing these nfts and all of my friends who are manically buying them they're saying that we're in the first inning and 10 years down the road those same apes with those sunglasses on are going to be worth 10 million dollars not just eight hundred thousand now like uh uh what do you see there like like i feel like it needs to be completely immersive you need to be in the metaverse living there with this beautiful original piece of artwork that's yours for it to actually have any value and I don't know. What do you think about that? I, I think anything is possible, you know, because I mean, I'm just going to say people are unpredictable and uh, they, they drove the price of nothing, in my opinion, Bitcoin, which is absolutely nothing, in my opinion, they drove the price of it to $70,000. So God knows what can happen in the next 10, 15, 20 years. I have my doubts about those apes being worth millions and millions of dollars. 
uh, but some of them have already gone for that. So it's not something I would invest in. I'll, I'll put it that way. And um, even if, and like I said, like you were mentioning, oh, it's beautiful. Or you're in the physical, the, the metaverse, and it's right there, the thing you, that you bought. Again, what's stopping somebody from copying it? What's stopping somebody yeah. from uh, torrenting it or hacking it um, and getting it for free? So, yeah. you know, for that reason, I, I don't see that kind of value in, in, in the digital stuff just because digital is digital. You can copy it, you can paste it, you can duplicate it a billion times. And, you know, there's, there's nothing stopping, stopping anybody from doing it. And then also about investments that you would consider taking, what about real estate? I feel like it's the most inflated thing possible. Uh, that's part of the reason why I got my agent license It's because I'd be selling it and I'd be taking a commission. Yeah. Just cause, and uh, like buying real estate now feels like you're getting ripped off, but you, you're also getting that FOMO. Like you can't, you can't develop more land yeah. in, in the desired areas. So like, what do you do here? Like, do you think there's a little bubble burst coming up or uh, is it the sooner you're in the better kind of thing? Well, I would, I would much rather own real estate than NFTs, you know, that some of these NFTs are going for a million dollars. I mean, if you got a real property, you got a house, you got land. I mean, to me, that should be much more. If, if an NFT is a million dollars and these houses should be $20 million, it should be a hundred million dollars. But I do think the house market is overpriced. Um, I think it all depends on the interest rates. If they raise interest rates like they say, to me, the prices have to come down. It's not a, it's not an if, and, or, but they have to come down because it's just simple math. You know, I, I if you have somebody who has a $500,000 mortgage and right now they're paying 1.5%. So on that $500,000, they're paying what does that come to? $7,500 in interest a year? I think that's what it is. So 1.5% on a $500,000 mortgage, your interest payments per year are $7,500. It's very low. You're borrowing $500,000 for only $7,500 a year. It's nothing. But if that interest rate is now 4%, yeah. well, now is a big difference because now you're spending uh 20,000 20, a year mm -hmm. in interest and you know now somebody who yeah they could afford 7,500 a year maybe 10 maybe they can't afford $20,000 a year so in that situation um a lot of people will be forced to sell um you know and a lot of people say oh but the supply is low and the, and the demand is high and we got so many immigrants and whatnot that's the case right now because people have been buying properties like hotcakes because of low interest rates. But yeah. if interest rates go up, the supply goes up because a lot of people are going to be forced to sell and the demand might actually go down as well because a lot of people just won't have the, the leverage to be able to buy um, uh, due to higher interest rates. So they'll, they'll, they won't be 
able to afford as much. You know, somebody, they can afford $500,000 mortgage now, but maybe if, if rates go to 4%, they can only afford $300,000 mortgage. So now, you know, the price just has to come down just because people can't afford as much and because there's yeah. more people starting to sell to deleverage. Yeah, but then we're seeing like, you know, I, crazy stat I did barely even believe was like 40% of money was printed last year of all money in the supply. Like stuff like that yeah. makes me makes me want something finite and worry about w waiting too long to buy real estate. But then I also think that it's so inflated. Like in 1970, you see the average household income is like 60,000. The average house price was 80,000. And now it's like the average income is 70,000. The average house price where we live is over a million. So it's like, there's gotta yeah. be a, there's gotta be a trade-off and there's gotta be balance is all good things in life, right? So. Well, the Fed announced that they're, they're, they want to raise rates and they want to reduce their bonds, uh, which, which effectively means that not only are they going to cut the printing, that they're actually going to start shredding some of that money that they created. Um, and that's because they're causing inflation and they need to tame inflation. So they pretty much have no choice but to raise rates and to get rid of some liquidity in the market. Um, so in contrary, 40% of money was printed in the last year or two. Some of that might get cut down um, to my knowledge, if that's how it works, if I'm understanding this correctly. Um, and also they printed so much, but it's all debt. Mm. You know, like nobody actually has cash. Not a <laughs> lot of people actually have cash. Everybody has debts. You know, they owe money on their car. They owe money on their house. You know, they're fully margined in stocks. They're fully leveraged in crypto, but there's all this money, but it's all debt. It's, you know, so I, I think personally, if you have cash, uh, I, I think that's a great thing because I, I think at times like this, when a lot of people don't have cash and a lot of people have debts and interest rates are going up, having cash uh, is, is king because you're ready to buy if, and when things do decline, and which we've been saying for a long time. But the thing is now, today, um, that for the last 10, 11 years, there was no inflation. There was little to no inflation. It was 1% to 2% inflation per year. It was very low. Mm -hmm. And now suddenly we got a big spike in inflation. That's the it difference. It was uh, the highest in over 30 years. Okay, yeah. So I don't know the exact number. I don't remember the exact number, but it was, was the it highest. Was it north of 2%? Oh, it like was north of, of 7 8%. It was oh, pretty okay. high. Yeah. Yeah. So now this time might be different. You know, we were always thinking it's going to crash. It's too high. Health prices are too high. And yet they keep going up. Now we finally have a reason for them to potentially come down, for the stock market to potentially come down. We, we have the, the catalyst and the catalyst is rising rates. The catalyst is the Fed reducing its balance sheet and that could pop mm. the bubble. Oh man, I might want to think about emphasizing my savings over my investments or would you think that something like gold, something finite that's linked with property and everything like that 
could could spike. Like War Warren Buffett bought into just gold miners, I think, for the last two years. So I'm I've looked um, at that. I I didn't know about that in particular, but I'm I'm on the fence about gold. Um, it's really a hard call with gold because yeah, it's something physical that should always have value, but people might actually need cash, you know, so they might actually want to sell their gold to get cash so that they could pay their debts. Um, so for that reason, I'm on the fence about gold and, and cash might just be king in this situation, which is why I trade because I just think, so many things are overvalued i like to end my days often in cash um and just make a new move the next day um because i'm sure you sleep better at night that way right yeah and i do hold things but i i, I reduce my positions at least before mm -hmm. the end of the day so that i can sleep easier um i think cash is king because i don't think a lot of people have it i think people are over indebted over indebted over leveraged Mm -hmm. all in houses, all in crypto, all in stocks, and they don't actually have cash. So, you know, cash might be the best thing to have right now. Good piece of advice. Uh, one final question for you. Who's your favorite artist and what's your favorite music genre? You know, I, I tend to move around a lot. You know, you might see me singing on my stories sometimes. That's why I, I grew up <laughs> I grew up listening to Eminem and I was, I was just crazy about Eminem for so long. Yeah. Uh, and I was actually making rap music and stuff myself. Um, but um, nowadays I, I like a lot of more peaceful kind of singing and stuff. So I, it's, it's a mix, you know, I might play some Justin Bieber, you know, or mm -hmm. even random old songs as Celine Dion or Michael Jackson or, or uh, Elvis Presley or Bob Marley or, um, but I, I really mix it up. You know, one day I'm listening to hardcore rap. The next I'm listening to, to R&B, um, you know, and the next I'm listening to Guns N' Roses. So anything catchy. I yeah, yeah, I don't know if I have a favorite artist. You know, if I had to say I would just go with Eminem just because he was my go to for pretty much my whole life. But I don't mm -hmm. listen to him too much anymore. But you, Do you know, have a favorite album of his or song. The early First stuff I bought from him, I think, was uh, the Eminem show, or no, it was okay. Encore. I bought Encore actually. Encore, I like that one. It was an interesting album that maybe gets a little less uh, play than it should. All right, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it, man. It's nice All to right. meet you. All right, have a good one. Thanks. Okay, thanks for having me. We'll see you. Bye. Bye.